I'd like to talk to you today about something more serious than that. And it's a concept and understanding that we've probably had even before we became a Christian. It was a, an idea that we had to answer, is God real enough for me to trust him? Can, I, can he actually take away sin? Um, when we started to pray, we also had to sort of contemplate, is God resourceful enough to be able to answer my prayer? And is he the cornerstone of faith? And so this, the concept is God is the source of all things. He is the source of all things. The Father, Son and Holy Spirit are the original and eternal source of all things for us. And they can be trusted and relied upon. They have all things at their disposal because God is self-sufficient. He needs nothing from anyone. He um, has never-ending measure. He is El Shaddai, God Almighty. Would you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 24? I'm going to use this particular psalm because I think it actually helps us to get a perspective on that idea of God being the source of all things that we need. And if you've got a phone, I'd encourage you to get your app out and use it because I'm going to be spending some time here and you may want to look through these verses. Let me read from verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has a clean heart and a pure, sorry, clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face. Lift up your heads, O you gates. And be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. The Lord, oh, who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up your, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. One thing about reading the Bible is that when you first time you read it, it gives you information and you noticed a few things. But what I'd like to do now is if I've asked God to breathe on you this morning. And what I mean by that is that I'm going to go back into that scripture and I'm going to pray that scripture into my spirit. And I want you to join me as I pray that you would be able to pray it into your spirit. Because God wants not only to give you information, he wants to give you transformation. Last week, Russ mentioned that there are, we set an environment for the Holy Spirit, for, for God to be able to grow us. 
And he said there's worship, there's obedience, and there's fellowship. And as we meditate on these scriptures, I'm asking God to bring that worship out of our hearts, worship for him, that we'll see where we can obey him, and they'll be able to share that fellowship around what we've learned together as a community. I'm going to pray, but you can pray to yourself or whatever. Lord, I thank you that the earth is the Lord's and you own all the fullness of this earth. I thank you that the world and all the people in it You dwell within us. You're not distant, but you're here. I thank you for that. And you've established this world upon the waters from creation, from the moment Genesis was written and acknowledged, you established the world. Who can ascend it? You ask the question, Lord, who can ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who can stand in the holy place? You say, Well, it's got something to do with clean hands and a pure heart and who has not given their soul away to idols. Lord God, we don't want to be a people who give our souls away now that you have touched us with your spirit. We ask that we will be pure in our devotion to you. Thank you that you promise that we can receive a blessing from the Lord and that we'll have right standing with you. I thank you for that. I thank you for Jacob and the, the, the generation that you created from him, those who seek you. I thank you for the example he set where he wrestled with you overnight and said, I will not let you go until you have blessed me, until I've got in my heart what's in your heart. Lord, would you change my destiny and make me a person who believes what you say? Lord, we seek to be a generation of Jacobs in this church. Lord, would you lead us in how to be seekers after your own heart, seekers after your face? Lord God, this is our prayer. Thank you that you overcome every defence that we might put up. You've got an answer for everything that's happened in our past that may distract us. They're like defensive gates, but you say, lift them up, let me in. Lord, I thank you for that. And we recognise that you're the king of glory. You're the king of hosts. You're the king of everything. And you will come in and you will bring your providence and your protection Lord, I want to thank you for the reading of your word and I pray a blessing from the reading and meditation on it that your breath is felt on us as we hear you speaking. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, Sometimes I just feel like we can hear something but we don't always take it where it could go. Because we haven't actually spent enough time letting it sink into our spirits, getting the concept of what God wanted to say right into our spirit. Now, one of the things you might notice about Psalm 24 is that there are three sections to it. The first section is verses 1 and 2. And that is where there's a declaration of God as the origin of all things. 
The second section is verses 3 through 6, where the question is asked, what kind of a person appreciates this kind of God? And thirdly, the section at the end is 7 to 10, and that talks about defensive reasons where I might or I would not trust God as the king of glory. Now, in, if you notice there in verse 1 and 2, it says that God has a purpose in founding the seas. He has a purpose in founding. And then next phrase is he has a purpose in establishing. He is the source and the purpose of creation. He gives us what to rely on and where it's going. He is our source. He is our trustworthy, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God. Moving on to the question around what kind of person appreciates God, it says, and I noticed it says, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? This is not just talking about someone who walks up hills and sits on the top and appreciates nature and is thankful to God. This is talking about ascending into a place where you go into worship. It's a lofty place. It's a place where you understand your standing before God. I love Isaiah 57 and verse 15. It's the name, address and occupation of God. The name of God... For thus says the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. That's his name. His address, I dwell in the high and holy place and with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. He lives out there and he lives in here. And his occupation to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. I've often turned to this verse when I've wanted to know that God is close and I've asked him to revive my contrite heart and to revive me if, uh, in my humility before him. What kind of person... Acknowledges God? Well, verse 4 says it's one who hasn't turned away to self-prospering, but who turns toward God with purity of life and devotion. Verse 5, if we do see the honour and, 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 and God as holy, as the creator of heaven and earth, and the founder of our civilization who established order in creation, we will receive a blessing. We will receive a blessing. What that blessing is, is up to God. But we will receive a blessing as we move our heart toward him. Verse 6, the type of person that God is seeking, a generation, a generation of people. And that's what we're praying for, that we 
are a generation of seekers, of seekers after God. Not just casual visitors, but seekers after his face. Do you pray sometimes, God, would you put me on fire? Can I burn for you? I want to be like Jacob. I want to wrestle for you. I want to wrestle with you. I don't want to walk away from this untouched. And then you get a a touch on the hip and it changes you. 2 Corinthians 16.9 says, The Lord, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. He's looking for your heart and he wants to show himself to you and he wants to show himself strong on your behalf. This is the kind of God that is our source. So what would a Jacob generation look like? Because if you're praying for it, you must vision for it. You're asking God, okay, what is it we're trying... What, what, do, I, what do you sh- want to show me about yourself? So I want to read Genesis chapter 22. And it's the story not of Jacob, but of his father and his grandfather. Because the prayer that J- Jacob prayed, I believe, was founded in what happened to his father who got taken to an altar to be the sacrifice. Genesis chapter 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham, the grandfather. And he said, here I am. Oh, did I miss a bit? And God tested him and said to him, Abraham. Yep, and he said, here I am. Yep, Just just where you wanted me. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. The thing to note about that place is that that is somewhere near modern-day Jerusalem. And so there's going to be a sacrifice on a hill in a place a long, long time ago. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took his two young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to the young man, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we'll come back to you. There's worship. So Abraham took the wood. There's obedience. So Abraham took the wood on the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, "Uh, Look, um, the fire and the wood, but there doesn't seem to be any lamb here for a burnt offering. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. 
So the two of them went together. And the thing that I've noticed is that it wasn't just Abraham's obedience that was taking this through. It was Isaac's. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar, upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, and I think there was a fair bit of, Abraham! (laughs) Not Abraham. Everything went into slow motion for a moment. Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said that a lot, doesn't he? That's three times. Here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything for him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it to you uh, for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of this place, the Lord will provide, as it has been said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply you. I'll multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to the young men and they rose and went back to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. I don't apologise for reading sections of the Bible to you. God says, let there be public reading. Because God speaks through his word. He breathes over it. He breathes it into our heart in a way that an orator or a speaker can't do. And I, I, I believe that God is speaking. I actually believe that there's been breakthroughs this morning. I could just sense that the through is the name Jesus. The breakthrough is the, break, the breakthrough from Jesus. And things have been happening. And we got testimonies of breakthroughs occurring. But focusing on verse 14, and God called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. That is also, there's another part of that that isn't, hasn't been said there, and it's God who sees and the God who provides. He sees and he provides. My brother and I were walking up a street in Sydney and we were looking at all the uh, sexually diverse and you know, people that were about us and he, he's not a Christian and definitely won't become one according to his words. But he made a comment which I thought just validated what I'm about to say. He said, look at all these people. They just want to be seen. That's why they do all this crazy stuff. I thought, yeah, that's true. It is a universal thing. We do want to be seen. We do want to be understood. We want to be taken seriously. And the lie is that with God, he does not see and he doesn't take you seriously. He doesn't hear you and he doesn't notice what's going on in your life. 
But the truth is, the divine truth is, Jehovah Jireh, God sees and God provides. Um, yeah, Genesis one thirty one says uh, at the at the end of making mankind, then the Lord saw that what He had made, the Lord saw, He sees what He made. Who you are is good. Is good. Fiona even said to me on the way down here this morning in the car, see, that's just the way that God made me. And that's good, I said. <laughs> he sees, he knows what he made, so we belong to him. And we're accepted in the way we're made. He sees us and he loves us and he accepts us and we belong to him and he wants to provide for us. Timeliness is always in God's hand, especially when there's a dagger above you. <laughs> Timeliness is always in God's hand, especially when there's a dagger hanging above you. And some people are feeling a lot of pressure, but God sees. You belong to him, he knows. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, if you're, if you're struggling, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man and God will provide. He'll provide a way of escape so that you will not go under. That wasn't on my notes, so hopefully it made sense. Um, let's look at the last section uh, before, uh, about the defensive reasons why people... Don't trust God. And I can see a few things here. Um, one, we don't want, we don't, we don't believe that we will prosper with God. We don't believe God will deliver. Riches that we have satisfy, satisfy our souls so much that we don't need to seek God from, for our spirits. And we are proudly independent. Know a lot about that one. I've actually got a T-shirt and I put it on regularly. And then someone says, you should take that off. <laughs> and stop being so proud and arrogant. That's pride. Fear, distrust, a diet of riches and pride. But the kingdom is full of riches. And we can have riches but we don't trust in them because God's our source. It doesn't matter whether we've got a lot of riches or a few riches or no riches. We can experience wealth or setback and still be steadfast. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. I can do everything. And Paul wrote that in 2 Corinthians and to the Corinthian churches, trying to explain to them that they, it doesn't matter what you go through and the things that he'd been through, God was enough. He was his source. Of course, natural resources are finite. 
And sometimes you have to look elsewhere to find more of them because you've run out. But with God, they're infinite and there is no looking. I wanted to tell you a story about when um, I moved to Sydney in 1983 to be involved in a student ministry at Macquarie University. And I resigned my job in Tassie, moved to Sydney and was looking for work as well as some time to go out on the campuses there and help with the student movement. And um, <clears throat> I went to my old company in Sydney, Humes Concrete, who predominantly are known for concrete pipes. So um, all the engineers in the, in the room know who I'm talking about. And um, big pun? Yeah, the centrifugally centrifugal force. Yeah, no, no, no. My job was looking after manholes, holes that men go down. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on the Central Coast. Um, sorry, I'm jumping ahead in the story. Anyway, um, I went to see them. There was no job, so the people I was uh, boarding with, American missionary family, uh, helped. We started praying and we prayed Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And uh, lo and behold, after three days, I got, we got a phone call. Could I come down there? They think they might have had found something, especially part-time, which was what I was looking for. And so God provides. He knows what we're looking for. I, I made, I, provision in Jesus' hands smells like loaves and fishes. That's the smell the disciples had left on their hand after God performed a miracle. Loaves and fishes. And I felt like there was a miracle leaving me with a smell of loaves and fishes on my hand, his provision. Another reason why we don't trust God is that we think that we won't prosper. And I think that comes out of unanswered prayer. Unanswered prayer challenges our resilience in prayer and faith. Our faith dwindles. Prayer doesn't work. God doesn't answer. And that's believing more in our failures than the eternal word of God. If I can't rely on God, then maybe I need to rely on me. Well, we... We need to change that perspective. And I'm going to encourage us with Isaiah 55, verses 6 to 11. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near, and he is. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, for he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down from heaven, sorry, as for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and bring it and make it bring forth and bud, that may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word. But let's not just jump past that last verse, verse 10. As the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and they do not return there but water the earth, and they make it bring forth and bud, 
that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be the be that that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I will send it. God will prosper it, but we have to bring our faith in line with that. Actually, I'm going to ask if you could turn this microphone on and Mary, I would like you to share again what you shared at the very end of the prayer time about some vases or vases. Yeah. Um, hang on, I'll be turning this on. Is it the little red one? It is. And the reason why I'm asking Mary, because sometimes we need to encourage ourselves with testimonies. There's great testimonies around provision. And you've got people, you can read George Mueller's testimonies about how God provided when they had nothing. And Reese Howes is another one who prayed when they had nothing and God provided enough for them to start orphanages all across England. But you had a dream. Yeah, no, it's just a little thing. A friend the other night brought me some presents, a couple of jugs or vases, and I had them up on the counter there and I took some photos of them as I do because I like to do that. And um, as I'm looking at the photo last night and this morning, I felt like the Lord said, bring out the vessels, bring out the vases. And I thought of the passage in Second uh, Kings with Elisha and the widow. And she had only one vessel you know, that had oil left in it, and then she and her son were going to die. And she called for the prophet and listened to what he said. And the word of the Lord to her was, go to all your neighbors and gather as many vessels as, as you can, and you'll see the provision of the Lord. And so basically they did. They went out and gathered all these vases, and then... He said, pour the oil in, and she began pouring and pouring and filled up all the vases till they ran out of them. And I felt like the Lord said, um, oh, and with that oil, they were able to survive and sell the oil and um, pay off their, their creditors. So anyway, I felt like the Lord said, get the vessels ready, get your vessels ready. There's an outpouring that's coming. Um, it's even now begun, but get the vessels ready. Yeah. Be prepared for what I'm about to pour out. Um, supernaturally and actually financial miracles that God is there to provide for you. Get the vessels ready. Um, I sense the Holy Spirit sometimes with vibrations in my feet and they are going off. (laughs) But, yeah, I know it's weird. But what I wanted to say is... Is that another joke? It's not not another joke. (laughs) Oops. Um, you prepare, and I started preparing weeks ago, but then God starts to thread things in, and all of a sudden you realise you're part of the thread of what God's trying to say here. So are you hearing what God is trying to say? Be ready. Be prepared. He wants to pour out resource in his way part of believing is asking and trusting there's no other way I'm going to ask if our musicians could come back and I'm going to tell you another story while they they get ready 
I said the provision of God smells like bread and fish in Jesus' hands. But also, sometimes the provision from our sources can just smell fishy. I got recently, I left my, the company I worked for, and I wanted to be available to be used here at church. And then I had a phone call from someone who said, I want to offer you a job. And uh, they wanted me full-time and they wanted me to come and do stuff that would really help them out. <clears throat> and I said, no, look, it's, it's not the direction I really want to go. And they were quite, you know, I can make things work, you know, maybe I can cut back and make it a part-time job so you can come. And oh, I got my house half... You wouldn't know that the bathroom had no floor and like it was a disaster zone. I can't leave now. I've got a half-built house and I'll find a builder. And You know, it just as Fiona and I talked about it and prayed about it, it just was a staleness in it. It wasn't fresh bread. It wasn't fresh bread. And so we could sense that. And so I let that opportunity go. Um, what did, what I did smell when we mm. prayed about staying involved and trying to do as much as we could here at church, that's when I started to smell sourdough and salmon. <laughs> Sometimes you know when God's leading you into the way and I will trust that God will provide in whatever way he wants to do that. There are soulish reasons why we don't trust God as our source, but the Spirit of God can give us a revelation as in Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness.